good to see everybody today. I've been, I'm like everybody else, battling a little stuff, so hope you can understand me today. Can, ever, can everybody here that wants to understand me hear me and understand me? Okay. It's good to see everybody. Well, uh, we got a scripture we're going to read here in a minute, but before we do that, uh, there was a pastor one time, after he finished his message at the back of the church, uh, about a 25-year-old girl named Maggie met him at the back. She said, Pastor, I'd like to have a counseling session this week. He said, okay, uh, come to the office, secretary will be there. So what's going on? She said, well, I think I've got this besetting sin in my life. And he said, well, kind of tell me what it's about. I said, every time we get in the church with all those hundreds of women there, I just know I'm the prettiest one there. And that's all I think about during the service is how much prettier I am than the rest of the women. And the pastor said, Maggie, we won't have to do a whole lot of counseling, honey. I wouldn't call that a besetting sin. I'd call that a gross mental error. <laughs> Major known the gross, right? But anyway, <clears throat> we're going to read this scripture today. And Jesus and his disciples were on their way. He came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparation that had to be made. She came to Jesus and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sisters left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you're worried and upset about many things. But one thing, we talked about one thing last week, one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken away from her. That's a powerful scripture, isn't it? You know, we know by, <clears throat> by, the, by scriptures that Jesus uh, spent quite a bit of time in the home of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, right? He was there too late, they thought, when Lazarus had died. Have you ever noticed that people that come to your house a whole lot that you kind of get to, you kind of understand what their favorite food is? And I just tell you, if my grandsons come to my house on game day at 9 o'clock, it's time for sausage, biscuits, and gravy. There's nothing said about that. And then I'm griping if it goes into the 11 o'clock time when the game started. But we have, you know, and I think Martha really understood Jesus, uh, understood maybe his favorite food. And it was a part of her hospitality to make sure he had his favorite food. But in the midst of it, Martha gets burdened down with busy you know, the first time I ever heard anybody preach on this passage, I heard uh, Ron Dunn preach a sermon called Baron, Busy But Barren. And I want to talk to you a little bit this morning about being addicted to busy. Uh, we live in a culture that's addicted to busy. Did you know that? Uh, it's a culture of busy. I, I think there's three reasons we're so busy. First of all, it makes us feel important. You never hear anybody say, well, our, my, my, down at our company, man, there's nothing going on. It's so boring. Everybody's busy, right? Yeah. Every, busy makes you look important. You can go down to the coffee shop and tell them how busy you are, and everybody just almost back off and bow down two times to you because you're such an important person. Uh, another reason we're so busy is that busyness keeps us from processing our internal life. Sometimes... When you really get quiet before God, you start thinking of how ridiculous some of the decisions you've made have been and how crazy some of the things you've done and what's going on in your life. So in America, we wouldn't want anybody to process grief. 
Matter of fact, I hate to say this, I, I worked in hospice, still do work in hospice, but when somebody dies, the first thing that is usually said is, do you need, do you need medication to the survivor? And those little strong ladies will say, no, I don't need a thing. I know where he's at and I'm going to be fine. But it's almost like we've got to treat your worry and your busyness somehow. We don't want anybody to be, we don't want anybody processing anything. Uh, the third thing is, if you're always busy, it can limit your socialization. You know, that's why preachers stay dressed all the time, so that when somebody comes to the parsonage, that they're going to be a time waster, they've got somewhere to go. I was with Sam Garner one time out here at the, at the Prater's uh, bar, burger deal, and somebody said, uh, Sam, uh, next month, about the 23rd, we're going to have uh, some kind of meeting. He said, I think I have a funeral that day. He was already busy, so busy is a... That's the day that he got my ice cream cone and stuck his finger in it and then handed it to me. So anyway, moving right along. If y'all remember him, he was a case when he, or like to can't have a case. I don't know which one. <laughs> but I used to have a guy come to the parsonage. Oh, my goodness. Uh, he'd sit down. How you doing today? Good. How's, you, how's your cancer treatments going? Good. How's the cattle doing? Real good. And about an hour into that, I felt like I was the cross-examining attorney at a trial. <laughs> and uh, I learned uh, quickly to get busy. You know, there's always something to do. So we limit our socialization, people that come up. All you got to do is jerk that phone out and start going, wait just a minute, wait a minute. My favorite cartoon was in Charisma magazine. It said Pastor Green. I might have told you all this. Shows a pastor out in, with waiter's zone out in the middle, and he's got his fishing pole bent double. And he's on the cell phone, and the caption is, I can't right now, Miss Green. I'm on the other line. <laughs> so anyway, you can limit your socialization. Carl Jung talked about busy. I want to use hurry and busy kind of, kind of interchangeably today. Carl Jung said, hurry is not of the devil. It is the devil. The great uh, Fuller professor, Archibald, Dr. Archibald Hart, says, we are basically made from God to function as camels, but we live in a cheetah world. Everybody's running. Richard Foster said, most people in America are crucified between two thieves, hurry and worry. Y'all heard about the little lady at the family reunion. Somebody walked up, and she had her purse under her arm, and they said, what you been doing, Aunt Mary? She said, just worrying for the whole family. I said, well, Aunt Mary, you don't have to do that. She said, yes, honey, somebody's got to do it. And worry's like chewing chewing gum. It's a lot of motion without any progress. Did you know that? But we're crucified between worry and hurry. We're always in a hurry. Uh, technology also has made us busier. Did you know there's 2.6 billion smartphones in the world? I can, I can already tell you how much time you spend on your technology every day. It's one-third of your waking hours. So if you sleep a lot like I do, it's not that much. <laughs> one little girl sent 30,000-something texts in one day. It's been documented. I'm sure they were short ones, but... And I'm not, you know, I thank God for the day we live in, but I want to tell you, uh, you know how, you want know the average time we check our phones a day is? The average. There's an app where you can actually do this. I had a friend that did this, and the first day she did 312 times. But the average is 85 times a day we check our phone. It's almost like if we're not busy, we've got to become busy, and we've got to preoccupy ourselves. And you know, Alabama, not the team, the group Alabama, they wrote a song called, I'm in a hurry. 
I'm in a hurry to get things done. I rush and I rush until life's no fun. All I really got to do is live and die, but I'm in a hurry and I don't know why. Don't know why I have to drive so fast. My car has nothing to prove. It's not new, but it'll do. Zero to 60 and 5.2. Oh, I'm in a hurry to get things done. And I rush and I rush until life's no fun. All I really got to do is live and die, but I'm in a hurry and I don't know why. Can't be late. I leave plenty of time, shaking hands with the clock. I can't stop. I'm on a roll and I'm ready to rock. I'm in a hurry to get things done. You know the course and everything, but uh, just that voice. I'm in a hurry. And, you know, uh, the, the great agnostic Alex uh, Huxley was one time in Dublin, and he, got, he ran out of the motel room, and he ran up to a horse-drawn carriage like a taxi and said, I need to get down to the meeting. I'm running late. And the, guy, and the little guy just tore out just as fast as he could. And Alex Huxley realized he's going the wrong way. He said, sir, are we going the wrong that way? And he said, I don't know what way we're going, but we're making great time. And that's the way we live. We live in that world. Uh, I want to tell you, I just want to share three quick points today. Uh, Taking the busy place can make us bitter. It's kind of like, you know, we're a little hard on Martha, but it really is a statement of frustration and aggravation. She's basically saying, Lord, I'm the person doing all the work, and Mary's receiving all the blessings. And it was a, it's contentious. There's a contentious heart here. I heard somebody say one time, it's better to have a bologna sandwich with peace than a five-course meal with contention. And the meal kind of get, the biscuits, sausage, and gravy kind of get lost in the context. And we do that when we're too busy. It's easy for us to become bitter excuse me, because we feel that other people are not doing their parts. Did you know there's two basic kinds of people in the world? There's relational people and task-oriented people. So a a pastor who's real task-oriented, he can get the building built, but he can't fill it because he doesn't have a relationship with anybody. Pastors who are relational can't get the building built, but they can fill nothing. But we're basically, and we have here, Martha is basically a task-oriented person. The Lord is here. I know His favorite meal. And I think Jesus is saying, just do a Dorito casserole. Don't worry about it. That's always, that'll always make everybody happy, right? Because you really can't figure out what all is in it. And uh, then just go over and do some UFOs, some unidentified fried objects, and put it over beside there, and you gotta, you're ready. But they, Mary is a relational person. She's relating to Jesus, and Martha gets all frustrated right here in the middle. Uh, you know, D.L. Moody, one time he was on a ship. There's times, there's, by the way, the, Fran, the Franciscans, they, they call it balancing your Mary and Martha, and they don't mean, you know, gender stuff, but they mean motivational gifts, balancing your Mary and your Martha. There's actually a big study they do. And that's basically making sure that if you are a task-oriented person, you better find time to build some relationships. And if you are a relational person, you better find time to do some tasks. You know, uh, I'll tell a story on Miss Lovell. Y'all know, uh, y'all know Denise Lovell? You know what her mother told me one time? She said, that Denise, I can't get her to do anything, so that girl would never have a bowel movement if the dishes weren't to be washed. 
Y'all might think that's funny, but I think that's hilarious. You tell Denise I told that story, okay? She used to be my neighbor. She's one of my favorite people. <laughs> you know those people that when it comes time to dishwashing, you know, they're gone. You know, it's, it's nature's called or somebody foreign's called or something's going on, you know. Anyway, hope y'all hope that wasn't offensive. But I did that, just came to me. When you get old, things just come to you, and unfortunately, you just say them. But D.L. Moody one time was on a ship, and he was traveling, and this is a task oriented, you know, he's pretty relational, but it, this is where you got to balance your mirror and your Martha. Somebody ran down and said, Brother Moody, pray fervently, the ship's on fire. He said, wait just a minute, let me get my trousers on. We'll go up and get in the bucket line, and we'll put the fire out, and then we'll pray. <laughs> so you got, you got to be task-oriented, too. But you can become bitter if all you do... Uh, you know, can I say this? Uh, I think Martha's a little bit enabling. She allows the house to kind of be messed up and because everybody knows Martha will do it. You know... Uh, I've been in a couple of rooms with my kids that I swear there were living things in there. I couldn't see them. I could hear them scratching, but I couldn't, you know. Uh, I saw something one time in, in one of my kids' rooms that I'd never seen before. It was the floor. So, but enabling, you know, you kind of have to be careful in life. You got to say, you know, if you want to live like that, you know, you're not going to bring it out of here, but you can live it. You got to enable people, but Martha's kind of tired of enabling Everybody, She's just tired of it, and it makes her a little bitter. But the balance of our lives is to make sure that whatever we do, we do it from a pure heart. We have to balance our lives. A man walked up to two bricklayers. One of them was cussing and hitting the bricks and flopping the, the cement down. And he walked up to him, and he was doing a little interview for a TV show he said, sir, what are you doing? He said, I'm out here slinging these bricks down, cuss, cuss, about to break my back. I got a bad vertebrae anyway. And he just kept, and the other guy was over there whistling, just to building his wall, just everything's going fine. He said, what are you doing, sir? And he said, I'm building a cathedral for people to enjoy. You see what I'm saying? Uh, it's your attitude. Would y'all like my, one of my original quotes? The only original quote I've ever made? You'll never see this anywhere because nobody thinks it's worth writing down. The difference between I can and can't is not an N apostrophe T. The difference between I can and can't is an attitude within me. So we have to keep that servant heart going, but we also have to balance our merry part, which is being with Jesus. Taking the busy place can keep us from communion. Jesus said, there's one thing that's important, and she's done it. And she's at his feet. And Martha kind of carries this dependency thing over. She's wanting Jesus to make Mary do what she wants. You know, I, I wish, isn't that exciting? I just wished everybody would do what I wanted them to do. Wouldn't that be nice? I just wish they would just do what I wanted them to do. One day I stood at the King's House Church preaching. I said, I know how to solve all your marriage problems today. Everybody's eyes got really big because they thought, How, where's this idiot headed? I said, we just need the men to all start thinking like women and all the women start thinking like men. Well, you know, that's not going to happen. Don't you all know that? And we're also going to understand in this situation that taking the busy place can keep us from that intimate communion with God, that restful place. It's a warfare to have your time with God. 
Somebody told me one time, they said, if you don't think there's a devil, you just give God an hour every morning. And you'll get every communication, every phone call, everything that could go wrong will go wrong during your time. There was a great Bible scholar by the name of J. Sidlow Baxter. And he, uh, he was in his 40s and he'd always had a desire to, pl- to pray. But he'd always too busy. So when he was 40 plus years old, he made a commitment to pray one hour a day. And he said, I got up and I said, okay, feelings. He said, I didn't feel like, he said, it's the boringest thing in the world. He said, I said, feelings, let me tell you something. Faith and I are going to go in there and pray for an hour every day. And every day he'd say, feelings, I'm just going to tell you something. Faith and I are going to go in there and pray for an hour. And he said, about six months into that exercise, the most exciting thing that ever happened to me happened. Feelings came in that room and joined us. And, you know, it's the idea that we have to balance that. We have to press it. It's a warfare. Our time with God, uh, we have to, if technology is hindering us, we have to, it can be food. It can be a gourmet meal instead of a casserole. It can be whatever. But if it's keeping us from communion with God, it's keeping us from the one thing that's important because uh, uh, that's what keeps us going. You know, it's looking at what's passing and what's permanent. You know, uh, I wouldn't recommend this movie, but anybody here watch Christmas Vacation? You know, their, you know their meal they have together? That's the scene that most families... It's not like a bunch of hogs, you know, and they're just eating, and then the turkey goes crazy. I mean, the point is, at the end of the day, that's not very permanent. Frank and I came to a conclusion not too long ago when we went out, we'd had to refinance every holiday to feed everybody. We said, you know, we're not going to do this anymore. We're just going to do hamburgers or hot dogs. We're tired of taking three days to have a 15-minute meal. And I don't know if that's very nice or not, but it sure helped us see what was permanent. What's permanent is sitting over there and saying, how are you doing and what's going on and what's happening? The passing is just a, a good old turkey leg and good belch and away we go, right? Am I, am I making y'all uneasy today? I'm sorry, I can't. My throat's messed up. I have uh, grossly mental errors about myself. <laughs> anyway, but I'm going to make it. It's good to see all of you, and I hope, I, hope you're, I hope you're thinking about this today. And then the last thing I want to say is taking the busy place can keep you from being refreshed, replenished. You know, Mark Rutland says it this way, we should have excellence in our work. And we should have gratitude in our rest. You know, if you're a Christian and you work, you should do the best job you can. But also, you should learn how to rest. Because if you don't learn how to rest and have that communion with Jesus, you're going to get burned out, you're going to get bitter, you're going to be barren. And so, to be replenished, we have to come to that place of a spiritual refreshing. Jesus was totally God and totally man. And one of my favorite scriptures is in Luke 5, 16, where it says, Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. He'd go to a lonely place. He'd get away from the hustle and the bustle of life. Why? Because Jesus understood this church. You cannot put any more out in ministry than you're receiving or having put in to you. You can't. You know, uh, I wish I didn't have to say this, but 
uh, I, I have noted a change in my spiritual life since I quit pastoring churches. I, the last few years of my pastoring was a, uh, let me get the word right, kind of a intense time, very intense pastoring, you know. Uh, somebody said one time, Dayspring had an anointing for the halt and crazy. That was me, part of that. But anyway, I don't mean that in a bad way, but everybody had a problem, seemed to wind up, you know, with us. And, and we liked that. That's what we wanted. I told them one time, we want a zoo church, one of every kind. So we already knew where the baboons were, but anyway, we've run along. But there was a real intense time, and every morning when I got up, uh, I made 150 biblical confessions. It wasn't a matter of, oh boy, I'm really being spiritual. It was a matter, if I don't do this, I won't make it today. Family stress, things going on, church stress, problems, uh, all these things. You know, I, I've got a picture of a guy that says pastoring is not stressful, and it shows this real shriveled up old man. I'm 42, and I'm doing great. Anyway, but anyway, that's a, you know, everything's stressful. Don't get me wrong. And you know the hardest job in the building? It's yours. I heard that for 10 years. It's my, mine's the hardest job in the building. You know? Anyway, but it's real stressful. And I made those confessions every morning. And it seemed that no matter what happened that day, that one of my confessions would fit in. For example, uh, forgive others if you want to be forgiven. Judge not, lest you be not judged. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall a man also reap. Strong confessions in my life around what I needed and, uh, you know, when, when I got out from under that, the gun of that, I guess, I, I just kind of got to be a little lackadaisical. And I wish I didn't have to say it, but I was thinking the other day, you know, uh, I need to prefer a little bit more the Mary side of my life than the Martha side of my life because it's easy to be in relationship and easy to talk to people. But remember this, that there's one thing that's really needful, and that's being with Jesus Sam Matthews, I went to college with Sam Matthews, and we actually went to seminary a year together. And uh, he was pastoring the Winnecta Heights Baptist Church in Tulsa at the time I was out at Harmony. He actually came out there once, if y'all remember. Anyway, his wife, Kathy, was dying with cancer, and he was right in the middle of doing his doctor of ministry degree, and she weighed 70 pounds, and she was dying, and God miraculously healed her, and she's still alive. So he forgot about his doctor of ministry program and started preaching... Uh, you know, preaching Jesus as never before. And he, he was such a irritant to me. He would call me about twice a week, and he would say this, James, what is the Lord saying? <laughs> on good weeks, I could maybe get, figure out something. On bad weeks, I just go, I have no idea, Sam, what is God saying? Because busy and busy and busy and... You know, uh, I had uh, Dr. Robert Wise out to Dayspring one time to preach, and he's the most unique man I know of. He'll just take months off, and he'll go to a monastery and stay for a year and uh, because he wants to hear what God is saying. And most of us can't do that. But I admire people who want to be at the feet of Jesus. Now, let's balance our Martha and Mary. If you get home and there's clothes all over the floor, be Martha. But don't let that task sour you and bitter you to the point that you don't spend some time with the Lord because faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So let me, let me encourage you to do some 
incremental steps on how to not be so busy. Fast your technology one night a week. Sit down with your family. Refuse to answer your phone. If, it's, uh, if you want something, they'll let you know later. And if they won't know your social security number, it's not really good anyway, right? So I've tried to apply for social, di for social security disability 27 times. Every time, don't, by the way, don't buy that. Anyway, I've got, Mr. Croson, uh, we're call calling you about your disability. Listen, man, my only disability's in my head. So anyway, but anyway, so that's, uh, but you get all kinds of calls. Fast that. Stay away from it. And realize that it's what you receive from Jesus that'll last. And his direction in your life is what'll take you to the places you need to go. So can you stand with me this morning? Please. Now I want you to bow your heads with me, please. And Anybody here this morning would just say, you know, I really am just... I've allowed myself to become too busy. Just acknowledge that before God. Anybody need to do that? Ooh, this is a healthy group. Okay, thank you. I'm glad. You don't have to raise your hands. just a way of saying to the Lord, I recognize it. And let me ask you this. Does your busyness cause your relationship with God to suffer? Like the times you know you want to pray or you should pray, you find yourself being socially accosted and in those interactions to where now here's what I want you to do I want you to just ask God to show you how to prefer that one thing in your life being in his feet because that's the part Jesus said that cannot be taken away from you is that relationship time to meditate Time to, to think and to ponder on the things of God. Father, I want to thank you this morning for this story in your word and how it reminds us of the pull in our life, the pull to be relational and the pull to be task-oriented, that we have to balance those things in our life. Or we'll find ourselves bitter and upset and doing things that we never really intended to do with joy. Help us, Lord, to realize that you're always there for us and that we can meet you in a quiet, secret place. And we can receive strength from that encounter that will put us through the difficult times of life. Thank you, Lord, so much for being with us today. And thank you for this church and everyone that's here today. Help us to be busy, but help us not to be barren. We know that work is a virtue, that it was put in place before the fall, but we have to learn to work in excellence, and we have to learn how to rest in gratitude and teach us that. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. By the way, give yourself permission to stop things that are not good. Taking your energy, give yourself permission to stop. Right? Right? Uh, because if you don't stop, uh, you'll drop. <laughs> okay, God bless y'all. Thank you for letting me be here today. Mark will be here next week. Mark Eaton.